Welcome to Pick and Pod. The NBA bubble season has officially had its championship conclusion. 22 teams entered the bubble, but only one could be crowned champions. And alongside with me this week to put a bow on the season that was Thomas Aiello. Aiello, so much to get into, but of course, the main story, the Los Angeles Lakers beating the Miami Heat in six games. They won the other night, 106 to 93. LeBron James with another triple-double, 28 points, 10 dimes, 14 boards. AD, a double-double himself, just 19 points with 15 rebounds. And for the Miami Heat, led on the other side. Bam Adebayo had a double-double, 25 and 10. Jimmy Butler limited to just 12 points. And Aiello, the Heat, honestly ran out of gas. This is a team that nobody expected to be here they got as far as they could, but at the end of the day, the Lakers were clearly the superior team. And now for LeBron James, his fourth NBA championship, his fourth NBA Finals MVP, the first guy in history to win a title with three separate teams and win a Finals MVP with three separate teams. Aiello, please give me your impressions of what you witnessed in the NBA Finals. Well, uh, first of all, I want to congratulate LeBron James for winning his uh, fourth NBA finals MVP uh, well-deserved. I thought it was going to be Davis, but LeBron James was by far and away the most consistent player on their team. And he was clearly the most dominant of both teams. But before we begin diving into the Lakers, Andrew, um, the Miami heat, I think turned on the afterburners a game too early with Jimmy Butler playing the 47 minutes that he did um, in game five. And he dropped another like 35 point triple double or whatever it was. But I think the Miami Heat had turned on the afterburners a little early than they should have. They definitely should have waited to do it now, especially in a game six where you you kind of had them on the ropes. But the Lakers came out guns a-blazing. I mean, they were just pounding the glass. They were shooting like crazy. And then they were getting contributions from most unlikely sources. I mean, we always yell about Danny Green and how atrocious his shooting has been in the whole whole finals really and he kind of had a nice one nice game six 11 points Contavious Caldwell Pope who um has barred a lot of questions over the years with how good is he actually is he a good shooter is he a terrible defender there were a lot of questions with him he had 17 points and Rajon Rondo who when Lakers fans talk about him it sounds like he's Jesus okay he had 19 points and that was pretty impressive for me I think Obviously, LeBron with the 28, 14, and 10, and then Davis with the 19 and 15 double-double. But the Rondo 19, I did not expect that to come out of there at all. I expected him to get, like, 11 assists and five points, but he had 19 points and four assists. So I thought it was nice to see a player like Rondo really step in to that third scoring role and give the superstar duo of LeBron and AD a lot of help. And speaking of the superstar duo of LeBron and Davis, Andrew, I think it's time we start to put these guys as one of the greatest duos of all time. Maybe start thinking about that, of course, with Jordan Pippen, um, Abdul-Jabbar and Magic Johnson, Larry and Mikhail, uh, D-Wade and LeBron, and all these other great duos that have come through in NBA history. I think this might be the most dynamic and versatile just due to the fact that AD has guard skills as a center. And that LeBron James is LeBron James. And he can do pretty much everything except shoot jump shots. He can't do that. Um, but I thought it was a wonderful performance. Uh, kudos to Miami, who you were so high on all year, Andrew. 
Um, and I, I actually had them going into the season as the eighth seed. So think about how silly I look. I know I look really silly right now. I would say two things. You're right about the dynamic duo. I think who was it? Kendrick Perkins who first said a few weeks ago that yeah, AD was, was the best player that LeBron's ever played with. And no disrespect to D Wade, who's a hall of famer, Kyrie Irving, uh, obviously guys like Kevin Love, Chris Bosh, guys who are going to be hall of famers, you know, when all is said and done, but you're right. This is kind of like Shaq and Kobe, just another yeah, iteration, another something that fits the mold of what the league is like. Obviously we don't see bigs like Shaq anymore, but we do see bigs like Anthony Davis guys who can stretch the floor and dominate. And, and when AD wants to be, he's unguardable and he's just entering his prime. So for LeBron, uh, he's going to be 36 in December. His career now, there's going to be even more longevity because in a couple of years, he can just hand over the keys to AD and say, all right, you get us 30 points per game and I'll sit back, get my 25, you know, 24, 23 points per game, still get my eight rebounds, eight assists. And I think that duo right now, they've solidified themselves. They're the best duo in the league. And until somebody knocks them off, you know, you can talk about Stephen Clay. Obviously, uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are two young up-and-comers in Boston. Uh, we're talking also about, you know, uh, James Harden, Russell Westbrook are two all-stars. But in the grand scheme of things, C.J. McCollum and Dame Lillard, it has to be LeBron and A.D. And for the Heat, I mean, kudos to them because – I thought when they got back in the bubble as constructed, when you have a guy like Jimmy and a good mixture of young up and coming players and, and some vets and Iguodala and Jay Crowder and UD there just kind of being the vocal leader off the bench there, you know, in timeouts, this Heat team really exceeded all expectations. And, and I think they were ready for the bubble environment and teams like Milwaukee and teams like Boston and Toronto, those teams, we expected one of those three to get to the finals to meet LeBron Kudos to Coach Spo, Jimmy Butler. That team isn't going anywhere. And Aiello, I think you can agree with me. They have flexibility financially. So a guy like Giannis, somebody coming out in 2021, or perhaps next season, this upcoming offseason, the Heat are right in position. If they can get another all-star, another superstar to pair with Jimmy Butler and that young talent via free agency, not having to give anything up, which we know Pat Riley can do. This Heat team is in prime position to stay up top the East with all the other teams and the Brooklyn Nets who are going to be there contending. Yeah, I certainly agree with you, Andrew. Um, this was nothing short of a success of a season for Miami. Uh, when they first signed Jimmy, I was a little, little skeptical. I'm like, okay, they signed Jimmy, but there's really nothing else there. And we all knew that Bam Adebayo was going to be a good player one day. We just didn't expect it to happen this quickly and to him become this good. So kudos to the Miami Heat, but we go back to their cap space. The only real issue that I think they're going to have is paying Adebayo, and there have been speculations that they don't want to pay him the max because Pat Riley doesn't think he's worth it. Of course, we've seen the Giannis rumors, like you said. Um, but maybe someone coming out of this summer that they could go after, that would be a good fit for them. It could be Serge Ibaka, another defensive big who can stretch the floor and can be the recipient of a pick and roll heavy offense. And of course he has a jump shot. Now he's had a jump shot for a while, but he only recently just started shooting threes and he can shoot them in a good clip. So maybe he can be a piece that they can add. Another piece that I'm looking at is Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Sacramento Kings. Now he is going to be a restricted free agent, but maybe that's another wing scorer you put with Jimmy and Tyler hero and Drogic. Drogic yeah. is also a free agent, and I'm also thinking about Fred Van Fleet. Maybe he can go to this team and give them what Drogic could be, just a lot younger, 
Uh, do you go after Mike Conley, who's probably a cheaper option and can give you some defensive prowess at the point guard position? There's a lot of interesting ways that the Heat can go here. And I think Pat Riley's put himself in a good position. But the one player that I actually uh, want them to go after, in terms of just fit, is actually Anthony Davis. <laughs> I know that the, the Lakers are never going to let him leave, but hear me out on this. Anthony Davis would fit perfectly into Eric Spolstra's pick and roll, grit and grind offense. Because think about it, AD's a big, right? And he's not the best perimeter shooter. Sure, he has ball handling skills for a big man, but he's not a great perimeter shooter. Could you imagine a pick and roll between Jimmy Butler and AD and him just rolling the rim out of bio too? They, have, they literally have, would have twin towers and they would be almost unstoppable. They'd run through the East. Uh, but that's just me. I don't think they're going to, they're not going to get Davis. Davis is staying in LA. He likes the weather. He likes winning rings and he likes playing with LeBron, but that's just me bringing a different perspective to it. I mean, I, I would just say this. You mentioned Serge Ibaka. A guy I'm thinking of is Danilo Gallinari. He's a there guy who go. can stretch the floor. He can play the pick and roll defensively. Obviously he's a liability, but to have another shooter out there spread out with Jimmy. And then from there, you can kind of wait two years. I know Giannis is peaking. His, his brother just got a ring before him. <laughs> and I know as much as Giannis wants to congratulate him about that, you know, a part of Giannis is thinking I should have been in that finals. I should have had a chance to get a ring myself. So if they don't do it next year in Milwaukee, I, I can't see him wanting to stay there. What's more appealing Dante DiVincenzo or Tyler hero, Eric Bledsoe or Goran Dragic, if the, he can keep him uh, Duncan Robinson or Wesley Matthews at this point. I mean, if you're Giannis, you gotta be looking at South beach thinking, Hey, if they have the cap space and Pat Riley gives me a call in about another year and a half, I have to seriously think about joining Jimmy Butler and all those shooters down there because that would be the team. Obviously, AD in a perfect world would be great, but you can already imagine LeBron James has already a verbal agreement that AD, you're sticking around. He's going to get his $40 million a year, and the Lakers are going to go from there with all the one-year contracts that they have. I'm sure they'll reshuffle and retool. But that leads me to now the Lakers side of things, ILO. LeBron James, as I mentioned, his fourth championship, fourth finals MVP. We see all the stats that he's accumulated with the triple doubles and being top five in so many playoff statistics and so many final statistics. What do you think? Where is his legacy right now as you see it? And do you think that he could legitimately challenge MJ to be the greatest of all time if he can continue adding to his trophy case? Well, no. Uh, I am the biggest, I am one of the biggest Jordan fans uh, you will ever meet. So there's a little bias on my part, but I don't really count this ring for him just due to the circumstances. There's no fans. They had five months. It was in a bubble. I mean, for God's sakes, Russell Westbrook was screaming at babies in the second round because <laughs> he was so fired up and he was giving it to babies. And I mean, they played a fifth seed and granted it was a good fifth seed, but the Miami Heat were wounded for, what, three games of the series. Most of their main guys were wounded for two or three games. So I can't really count it for him, but I also can't count it against him for the exact same reasons of the circumstances and the pandemic and all this other nonsense. But I don't think he's going to catch Jordan winning titles on three different teams with a super team. You know, he has to literally put the best players on his team to win. And you can't erase, you cannot erase 2014. That was a humiliation. 2011, forget it. 2007, we can give him a pass because how he dragged that church league team to the finals is amazing to me. That's amazing. Exactly. 
that we can't count against him, but we can't really, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough ring to decide. It is nice to see him get four and he's sure he's on the tail of Michael, but I don't think he's ever going to catch Michael. I mean, six and zero, that that's just untouchable to me. I understand and hear me out because in 2016, when LeBron had came back and he beat the Warriors, I thought that was the apex. I thought that was it. He could have, he got his third and moving forward. If he didn't get another one, you know, nobody would blame him because of all the competition. But I think when you have this sort of longevity and you can be this great and sustain it for so long, there's something to be said about that. It's only really him and Kareem at this point. And sooner or later, He's going to go over 20 seasons. He's going to surpass Kareem as having the best long career of all time in the NBA. And I would say this, Aiello, if the Bulls had decided to bring it back and run it back in 98, 99, that season was strike shortened. So yes. if the Bulls would have gotten that break and they would have won, nobody would have said, oh, wait, that's a strike shortened season that that counts against Michael Jordan. I'm the biggest Spurs fan and nobody says anything about that championship for the Spurs in 98-99. So I would say in that circumstance, I don't think anybody would have doubted Jordan. They would have said, hey, he still got it done in a strike-shortened season. And for LeBron, you kind of only can play who's in front of you. The Bucks, yeah, everyone liked the Bucks and the Raptors, but they got bounced. I love the Clippers. I thought the Clippers were going to make it to the finals and beat the Lakers in the conference finals, but they lost to the Nuggets and they choked a 3-1 lead. So it's kind of like you can only play who's in front of you. And I think the six NBA finals losses, yeah, you got to put that against him. But when you think about some of the teams that he lost to, those Spurs teams, yeah. uh, the Warriors, it, it's tough to say. He didn't lose a, a fluke one. If he had lost to the Heat, then we could definitely, I think, this would be a huge strike against him in this argument. But I think with him and AD there, I, I, it's, really, it's realistic that he can get six because he says he still has a few years left in the tank right now. Yeah, I certainly think uh, getting six, I mean, going for the three-peat is wishful thinking, in my opinion. Uh, it's very hard to do. And if we're going to look at the West coming back, uh, of course, you have the Clippers, who are going to be annoying. You have the Nuggets, who are definitely going to improve this offseason. The Dallas Mavericks, who you forgot to mention earlier with terms of duos in this league, Luka, Luka and KP, my fault, guys. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. He, but Porzingis also just had surgery, so that's a wait and see. But Luka Doncic on his own is pretty annoying. Oh, he's a superstar. Oh, yeah. Oh, no doubt. The, trail, the Trailblazers are always going to be in the hunt. And the New Orleans Pelicans are on the rise if Zion learns to shoot and if he loses, like, 50 pounds because those knees are not going to last. And I think the last team is probably the Houston Rockets and maybe a couple of years down the road, are the Thunder going to be in it? The well, Phoenix Suns sp- also. We saw with Phoenix Suns, the yeah. They were undefeated, and they have yeah. a young core there the with Bubble DeAndre Suns. and Booker. Bubble Suns. We forgot to mention <laughs> them. So, I mean, LeBron's going to have a loaded West um, going into next season, assuming it starts around Christmas, New Year's time, which is what Commissioner Silver had said. So, I don't – can he get six? It's definitely possible. Um, they just have to put – another guy next to him uh, who that is it could be uh could they trade kyle kuzma for derrick rose could they sign an andre drummond you got another twin tower next to davis if you don't want dwight howard again uh do they go after DeRozan, who i think is going to have a pretty thin market unfortunately andrew and the spurs, I mean, if the spurs don't sign him i'm not going to be crying over it i yell, yeah. you know that <laughs> yeah that is true um there's, there's some interesting options that they can do here. I would say Davis Bertans is definitely a name they can go after if they need another shooter. Christian Wood as well. Um, they could also go after Mello, get Mello a ring. Could always do that. 
I mean, that, and that's the benefit of having those one-year deals. Now, if you yeah. don't want to yeah. keep Dwight Howard, if you don't want to keep somebody like Rajon Rondo who might get paid elsewhere, and I think that's the thing with the Lakers. They were so bad what that for like a six-year period of time that nobody really wanted to go there. But now that this team is a championship team and they're a perennial contender moving forward, I think there are going to be guys who are going to say, hey, I could shave off 3 to $5 million, take that discount, and go get myself a ring. For a lot of guys, especially vets, I think that might be the route. Maybe for a guy like Paul Millsap who says, I've earned enough money, let me opt out and let me go get a deal and go get a ring fund. Yeah, I, Paul Millsap, you bring up a great point with Paul Millsap. Um, I'm sure that they're going to be looking for veteran players uh, like Taj Gibson's, who they could steal from the Knicks. They could maybe ask Hassan Whiteside to take a pay cut. They could ask a lot of veteran players to take pay cuts, and they can still be productive under um, the LeBron James, Anthony Davis system. So like you did say, the Lakers have put themselves in good positions to compete for the next two seasons at minimum with these one-year deals. And as long as they can find good players, say uh, they lose Danny Green, right? But they can recreate him in the aggregate with maybe two guys that are way cheaper than what Danny Green signed for this year, which I think was around $13 million. Yeah, around 13, 14. That's around right. there, right. So if you can find two guys that you can replace him with that are, can match the production or even top his production, that's a win in terms of roster construction. Maybe it'll work out even better. Who knows? If they have more shooting, you know, they had a lot of shooting problems this year, obviously, at the beginning. Um, but then they got Markeith Morris, which helped them a little bit. So they, they need to clearly add shooting. Who it's going to be, I don't know. But if they can get more shooting, these guys might be set for the next couple of seasons. And then, you know, when LeBron leaves or he decides to retire, you got to start building that team around AD. So maybe you go after younger guys who are sort of under the radar in the free agent market and you sign them to two-year deals so that your team doesn't totally explode when LeBron leaves. Yeah, and I think when it comes to the LeBron-MJ argument, it's tough to do it now because LeBron isn't done. And I mean, if he was showing signs of, of, a, uh, of a decrease in his talent or something like that after, I mean, think about last year with the groin injury, a lot of people thought was LeBron starting to break down finally uh, and then they missed the playoffs. But I think we can't have that argument until, until his resume is finished because at this point, he's still vying for more championships. And when all said and done, he is probably going to be the all-time leading scorer and maybe the all-time leading assist man. He's going to be up in top 10 in all of those huge statistical categories when, when you look at it. And I think maybe in three or four years, we can have a serious debate about, all right, who's better. But I think maybe you'll agree. And a lot of people agree too, at their peaks, it's probably MJ. MJ had the greatest peak winning six titles and what is it, an eight year span. Yeah. But I think longevity wise, you know, MJ and people in the nineties, they didn't take care of their bodies like they do now. But I think clearly longevity wise, LeBron will have the best career out of anybody in NBA history. I, I would agree. There's certainly an argument with the longevity that holds a lot of value. I mean, we see it with Kareem. I think Kareem is the greatest center of all time simply because of his longevity and how good he was for the, all the 20 years that he played. But you also have to discount. Well, I wouldn't say discount. You also have to factor in the eras that Michael and LeBron played. And you said how the players don't take care of their bodies like they do now. Could you imagine if Michael Jordan had the treatments that they had today playing in the nineties, where there was hand checking and elbow swinging, there was uh, clothes lining and among other things, tumbling. Could you imagine Michael Jordan having that treatment against the Knicks, the Pistons, um, against the Stockton Malone jazz, the Sean Kemp Sonics, Charles Barkley. Could you imagine if he had that treatment? So it's a, 
it's a weird, it's a strange argument to make because it's hard to judge. You can't hop in a time machine, go back, grab Jordan and bring him today and then swap him with LeBron. You, it's, you can't do that, obviously. So I think it's more of, you kind of look at what they've totaled at the end of their careers. You're right that it's going to obviously, the GOAT discussion will really matter when they both finish. So right now it is tough to make, but I think at the end of it, I think Jordan will still be on top, but LeBron will definitely be right there with him at the number two spot. No, yeah, that's six for six. And just what Jordan was able to do to take the league, you know, once Bird and Magic started getting things moving, MJ just took it to a whole nother level. And he's obviously an icon in his own right. But I think in, in the next 20 to 30 years, or maybe even less than maybe the next 15 to 20, I think the next generations will see LeBron James the way that most of us now, and even people older than us see MJ. So I think time is always important here. And I think LeBron James down the line, there will be a greater appreciation for him. But, but Tom, I definitely want to just talk about next season. And, and do you see the Lakers in that loaded West, as you mentioned, now in the East with KD and Kyrie and Brooklyn, and we mentioned uh, Boston, Miami's not going anywhere. Toronto will still be there. Milwaukee, you imagine, after having their great regular season, they'll be around. And then if Doc Rivers can do anything in Philadelphia, there's talent there that maybe could see a jump. So if you had to pick a team in the East right now that would be best suited to face LeBron, AD, and company next season, who would you put your money on? You know, that's a tough question, Andrew. Um, as a... As far as it goes with teams like the Nets and the Sixers, I mean, that's more of a wait and see thing because there's a good chance Philadelphia is going to destroy their team after next season. Okay. We don't know how that's going to work out. Maybe they make some moves this off season by trading Horford is Ben Simmons on the move with Brooklyn. It's the same thing, except it's with injuries with Durant. You know, if he comes back averaging under 20, that's considered a wasted contract in my opinion. Uh, are they going to trade their bench players for Drew Holiday? I saw that pop up somewhere. I think it was on Bleacher Report. Uh, I, I honestly think it's still the Heat. The Heat are probably the most equipped. I mean, everyone says Boston with Kemba and Jalen Brown, Tatum. You know, is Gordon Hayward going to come back? Are they going to actually get an actual big? I still think that it's Miami. Eric Spolstra, they pushed them to six games with a wounded team. And if they get Giannis or if they get Kawhi, let's say, in 2021, or they get uh, Paul George, assuming that those two don't opt in. They, they, they could take down the Lakers if they wanted to. I think they would be the best equipped to do it. Milwaukee, yeah, yeah Milwaukee can't because they, they've done too many idiotic moves. I shouldn't say that. They've made too many illogical moves um, in terms of who they're signing as their bench players. And they gave Chris Middleton that money. That wasn't smart. Letting Brogdon walk was bad. But I, I think it's going to be the Miami Heat, and there's clearly nobody else to me. I would say Miami and it, Boston predicated on Jason Tatum. If he can be the superstar, and I love me some Jason Tatum, and I hate that he's on the Celtics, and I wish he was on any <laughs> other team because I just can't root for the Seas. And I, I hate Jack, Jack Roach would not like me saying that. But still, if Jason <laughs> Tatum can continue evolving to be that superstar and you have Jalen Brown emerging as well as a star in his own right, you add a few pieces, and you know Danny Ainge, isn't he's a shrewd operator if he can make oh, a move yeah. if he can get another star he'll do so trade draft picks he's always ready and willing to listen and make offers for guys to come in and make his team better so I think Miami and Boston for sure and as you mentioned Milwaukee it just feels like their window 
has closed very suddenly. And I think it's their own doing. Nobody else closed their own window. I think that window with Giannis is closed. And when you think about the other teams that are going to come up and challenge them, especially Brooklyn, because if they're healthy, Aiello, that's a team that can run through the East and they'll be chomping at the bit to get a piece of LeBron or whoever comes out of the West because KD and Kyrie hearing all of this, I'm sure they're motivated with all the people saying that they're the ones who got Kenny Atkinson fired, which may or may be not true. We don't know any confirmed reports, but that's what people are saying. I can imagine there's a lot of motivation there from the Nets to kind of show people wrong. And I think for Steve Nash, maybe he might channel some of his inner Steve Kerr and find instant success like Kerr did with the Warriors when he came in and replaced Mark Jackson. I'm going to tell you the single motivating factor for the Nets, Andrew. You ready? Knicks and the Knicks fans. That is their <laughs> single motivate. Kevin Durant responded to me on Twitter when he signed because he went off on the Knicks, how they're not cool and all this, this nonsense. I tweet at Kevin Durant. I'm like, you're messing with the wrong fan base, bro. Then he's like, what are you going to do? Shower me with booze? Have at it, champ. So I'm <laughs> sure that the trolling Knicks fans on Twitter and the Knicks just being present in Manhattan alone is their motivating factor. But I also agree with you with Steve Nash, maybe could be the Steve Kerr that the Brooklyn Nets need. He's a pretty mellow guy. We're going to see how he handles uh, these two with Durant and Irving, obviously very eccentric and moody personalities between those two, but you do have some help in that department with Deandre Jordan, who's more of a, a, uh, a bandaid around that, if you will. Uh, Jared Allen doesn't really say much. Spencer Dinwiddie seems like he's well-behaved. And they like, to, and they like Karis LeVert, those two. So that's always a plus side to be on their good side. So that's probably for the Nets. Yeah, it's going to definitely depend on Durant's health. Can they emotionally hold it together? Can Steve Nash coach? Can he manage the egos on that team? So I think it's between the Nets and Miami. I would say Miami is definitely more well-prepared. They've been playing a little longer than the Nets have together, obviously. So we're going to see, this is a very up in the air Eastern conference going into next season. It's going to be way better than it was in the last five or six years, which is always a good thing. And be on the lookout actually for the Indiana Pacers. They can definitely, they're a dark horse team. They're going to be five or six seed, but they're going to be a scary five or six seed. They are going to make, Larry Bird is going to make some serious moves that are going to go, go under the radar and they're going to, they'll win like maybe five extra games than they did last year. Most definitely. And it's certainly not the Eastern Conference anymore. The East is definitely stronger now. And even going into next year, it's going to be even tougher. So with Brooklyn emerging and all the other four or five teams that we just spoke about, it's going to be tough there in the Eastern Conference in the next few years. But Ayala, before we get out of here, I think it, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention the great job that Commissioner Adam Silver and the entire NBA did down there in the bubble zero confirmed positive cases of coronavirus while they were down there and everything done to a T players getting daily testing coaches, even the media members quarantining when possible, having to stay in that environment. I just want to get your impressions. What do you think about the job that they did? And more importantly, if the coronavirus pandemic doesn't die down and we see a spike in the next couple of months, what do you think is the possibility that maybe the NBA would have to revisit going into another type of bubble situation for the next season? Well, first of all, uh, Adam Silver deserves a gold medal for the bubble job that he did. Um, other than Daniel House and Lou Williams uh, doing their thing, they did a pretty damn good job. And if you're asking if they're, I don't think they're going to, the players, 
you know, I, I get it that you get for safety reasons. If you have to consider it fine, but the players will not do it. They, the NFL didn't even want to do it. Baseball didn't really want to do it. These guys don't want to go around to in a secluded bubble where they're so far away from everybody. And um, I, I don't know if they'll do it. I'm sure that America and the world will find a way to manage COVID-19 like they do with, like we do with the flu. So, um, and you know, the, the election obviously and all the other politics that play into it. So maybe I think we're, we're going to be all right. Um, I'm hoping for the best here, but I don't think that the NBA is going to want to do the bubble idea. And I, I certainly know that the players will not want to do that again. Yeah. And again, a, a huge, huge, huge congrats to them for finishing also to the WNBA and to the MLS who also went into bubbles too and, and saw none to little positive cases or inconclusive cases at that. And you mentioned Lou Williams and Dan Wellhouse. That was just them kind of being numbskulls, nothing to do with COVID, just them going and, and doing their own business. That's a podcast for maybe not another day because I don't think anybody wants to talk about those issues. <laughs> but I would say that I do agree with you in that they probably wouldn't do a full season again in the bubble, but I think they might do what baseball did this season, have the whole regular season, and then maybe go into a few hub sites, a few bubble cities for the postseason just to make it a little easier and just to obviate any risk of a, of a potential outbreak. But, but again, I think when you think about this, a lot of people are saying an asterisk on this championship, but to be down there and to see your opponents every day and be in the same hotel with some of these teams and really just not have a peace of mind unless you're literally locked in your, in your uh, hotel room, I think that's just as tough as anything. And all these teams had that opportunity. They all experienced it. So for the Lakers, they're one of the teams that were ready to leave. So you think about that. The Clippers, another team also ready to leave. And so are the Bucks. But again, they all decided to stay there. I think they promoted the correct messages with racial and social justice. I think they did their duty as athletes using their spotlight to really give a voice to the voiceless out there and all of the injustices that we're seeing around the country. And again, putting their players and, and their coaches and everyone first health-wise Nobody got any coronavirus. Obviously, you're seeing what's going on with the NFL. They're scrambling to kind of reschedule, reshuffle games with all the outbreaks. We saw Major League Baseball. They went through their whole spiel in the beginning of the season with outbreaks. But you got to give credit to the NBA. They made the right decision when a lot of people thought that it was unnecessary for them to do. They did it anyway. And you got to give big kudos to them for getting a full season completed. Yeah, um, I definitely agree. Uh, the NFL is a mess. But Roger Goodell is too money greedy to do anything that the NBA did. And Rob Manfred just doesn't think half the time. But he actually, he made a good decision telling them, okay, we're going to bubble for the playoffs. I think that's what the NFL should do, just bubble the playoffs. But with the NBA, you know, this was tough for them. You, like you said, of course, the asterisk. And I, I'm, I'm still wishy-washy on the championship. You know, it's a hard one. To, it's hard call to make. But we've never seen anything like this before. So yeah, in, in that sense, yes, this was very difficult in being away from everybody. There was a, seeing your opponents at the same hotels. I remember there was a video of um, Jamal Murray. He's like, the worst part about the ball was I have to go back and see this dude and it's Donovan <laughs> Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. Um, and then there was another video of Jason Tatum reading a bedtime story to his kid, which I thought was really cute. And then, of course, they started letting families in. And then that's where I got the Russell Westbrook is yelling at the babies thing. <laughs> um, but he, yeah, Russ yells at everybody. 
But I think it's definitely not going to be something the NBA wants to revisit. I think the hub sites, they follow the MLB model. The hub sites is probably a better idea. At least they're not going to be stuck in the Magic Kingdom or um, what's uh, Epcot Center, you know, yes. and all oh, the worldwide, uh, worldwide uh, sports, worldwide sports. Yeah, there you go. Well, it's in Magic Kingdom. Yeah, it's, it, that is a huge, just a huge yeah. amount of resorts everywhere. I have not been down there myself, but from what I've heard, there's just so much space and there's so many different stuff. resorts going on down there. There's a lot of stuff to do down there. And uh, granted, it, it was also good to keep them entertained if they didn't want to just sit in the room all day. <laughs> And of course the fishing and then the dodgeball games between the Celtics, that was funny bowling among other things. But I think the hub sites is probably a better idea because they're at least in different environments. They can have a little bit more freedom to move around. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of throwing out ideas. I'm sure Adam Silver doesn't want to do this again. I hope that uh, we get back to playing ball in our home stadiums and that there's fans in the, uh, in the arena. Yeah, considering the circumstances, I think Adam Silver and the entire NBA are going to be ecstatic about getting a full season done, getting a full postseason done, crowning a champion, and now just taking the next perhaps two to three months to work out when the draft is going to be, uh, how long free agency should be, and then a, an exact date. Because, you know, for us here at FUV, we want to cover the Knicks and the Nets. So hopefully that can happen sometime in January, early February. We don't know just yet. But I think the NBA has shown that they do sit down, they do their due diligence, and they will have a plan, and they will go about executing that plan while also prioritizing the player's safety and their health first and foremost. NBA for president, that's all I got to say. Everyone in the NBA should run for <laughs> American Congress, president, whatever. These people well, done good jobs. They've done really good jobs. Absolutely. And Aiello, that will do it. For this edition of Pick and Pod, appreciate your time. Appreciate Sam Davis, our producer, for this episode. And again, 22 teams went into the bubble. One team stood tall above the rest. That's the Los Angeles Lakers. Bravo. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, congrats to them. And hopefully we can see a regular 82-game season coming into 2021. And all we want is basketball. The next couple of months are going to be rough with just football and getting some college athletics but we will be on the lookout. There will be a few more episodes. We'll do some draft stuff, off-season stuff. But for now, we put a bow on the bubble season that was. Thank you for tuning in. Pick and Pod is a production of WFUV Sports.